welcome to the Youth Pastor and His Wife podcast. How are you today, Al? I'm good. How are you? Doing fantastic. How was your week? It was good. It was busy. The boys start, uh, I guess, like their little homeschool school. Um, school. School. Yeah, essentially. It's a little bit different because it's like a... It's a little bit of a hybrid kind of thing, but mm-hmm. we're really excited about it. I think that the boys are going to thrive there, and <clears throat> and we'll still get to be really involved in mm-hmm. all those things. So, how are you? I'm doing. I'm doing well. We, uh, like you said, it's been a busy, busy couple of weeks, but as she yawns, uh, <sighs> but they're almost over. So, <laughs> well, this week is over now. Mm, I suppose so. What happened in youth this week? Mm-hmm. This week was different. So we've been doing this thing where instead of like all meeting as one group, like we do initially, and then we'll split them up either by gender or by like smaller groups. So there can be more, I guess, intimate conversation and for them because they learn how to like pray for one another and listen mm-hmm. to one another. Also, the room that we have been meeting in is very large. And so I think that it's yeah. pretty beneficial for them to be in like a smaller group because you really can't hear each other because there's like 30 of them. And mm-hmm. so they're like shouting across the room at each other. And some of them are really soft spoken. Might be um, good training for them though to project. Speak up. A little bit. <laughs> Say it with your chest. Um, oh, I'll have heart. to cut that out. Um, sleep. <laughs> so what did you say this week? We were talking, we were going through the Ten Commandments, Mm -hmm. and we were talking about stealing. And it's wild whenever you're like, okay, so let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. And we ask, like, what is stealing? And what, like, tell me certain scenarios. Sometimes I'm always amazed at, like, we're going to come up with this really difficult, and it's definitely like a teenager thing. I'm going to come up with this very difficult, radically... uh, Hypothetical. I'm going to come up with this like really crazy hypothetical, mm-hmm. probably not going to happen scenario to try to like stump you. So and I'm like, why? That's you, not beneficial for anything. You'd be surprised that that's not a teen thing. But like the home group that we have with adults, if I give a scenario, inevitably at least one to two people are going to come up with some hypothetical thing that like breaks the logic train that I'm trying to drive. Like they're trying to trump you. I wonder where that yeah. comes from. Stump, not trump. Stump you. No, but people will say that they trump you in something. That's definitely a saying. Well, then, yeah. But I wonder where that comes from. Like, is Trump the master of trumping others? No, no. Trump just means you beat somebody. You so, trumped somebody. What you're, what you're saying is that what they're looking to do is to stump you. But do you think that conservatives would, like, Trump trumps every other candidate? Do you think they would say that? He's the ultimate trumper. Sound the trumpets. It's just something I... Why did you just get on the Trump train? (laughs) I'm not on the Trump train. I'm just saying that maybe, you know how people's names always have like origins and stuff? Like how your last name means brown. Yeah. Bruno, everyone's like, oh, Bruno's such a cool name. I wonder what it means. It means brown. And so it's like, it's. People told you that Bruno's a cool last name? I think it's a cool last name. People name their dogs Bruno all the time. I don't know that I've ever in my entire life had someone come up to me and be like, man, your last name is just so cool. You know how you know when your last name is cool? When people call you that instead of your first name. If your last name was lame, nobody's going to call yeah, you But that. I think it just sounds better than Anthony. Anthony's a really normal first name. You don't let anybody call you Tony, which is the ultimate cool name. Don't. Don't do that. <laughs> so anyway, my whole point is, is do that. Do not give our youth that idea. Mm, they might like it. You never know. I don't might care if they like it. A Tony. Stop, stop, stop. You know who's in our youth group. All right. So (laughs) anyway, they always try to stump us, right? Like they're always like, okay, but let me just try to sit. And I'm like, you're, you're slowing down progress. You're keeping us from being able to, I know, I know, I know. It's part of the point. But it's like, we're not talking about anything boring. We're not talking about anything that they're not interested in. That's right. Like they're always like, yeah, but when what's it like stealing? Like, is it stealing? Is this stealing? Does this count stealing? So one of the funniest youth this week was like, okay, so so try out this scenario. What if it's an article of clothing? And what if you've put on the article of clothing? And you can't give it and back. And you can't give it back. And you don't even know where the person is. And even if you knew where they were, you really don't want to. And I'm like, so stealing. And they're like, I, 
and it would totally make sense that this youth student would be like really into like thrifting clothes, going to things like estate sales and garage sales and like buying like your grandma's clothes or your grandpa's clothes, I guess. <laughs> it, it wouldn't surprise me because he's kind of got like the like, like the, like he's kind of a cross between like that 70s show versus like cowboy. He's just a perfect meld of like thrifted clothing. He really is. And anyway, he's great. And he makes me laugh. And when he asked that question, I was like, are you asking if you have to return a dead guy's clothes to his family? Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I was thinking, but I didn't want to say that loud. I didn't want to embarrass him. And so anyway, it was just really funny. Um, See, one of my favorite is one of the girls, as we were like talking about, you know, just generally what is stealing. She was like, stealing could also be taking things that aren't like things, but are like alive. Yeah. It's like you seen kidnapping. Yeah, it was yeah, I was like, so are we talking like has somebody seen Sound, Sound of, Freedom. of Freedom recently? And she had. Um, she had. Yeah, obviously. And she it was really really funny and she, her personality is like she's just really quiet and soft spoken, but she's really intelligent. And so I just always laugh because she'll say things and I'm like, "You're right. You don't have to speak so softly. Say it boldly because you're right." Say it with chest. Say it with chest. But yeah, no, and then also something really cool in youth, we had two baptisms and they were the youth students and it was really sweet. It was really cool to see like the fruits of our labor and not that we are like the direct, uh, directly responsible person or people for them coming to faith. Obviously they had some people that have spoken into their lives and, you know, all glory to God for guiding them. But it's just been really cool to see. They both accepted Christ long before we Long before it took over. Right, but we didn't change their minds, and that's what's important. We only solidified it. You lose your salvation, so. That's me patting you on the back. Look at you. No, I really, but I, it's really it. sweet to see, you know, it's so typical that youth are, like, dependent on the faith of their parents. and they're um, Which is something else we talked about in youth this week when we were talking about stealing and stealing glory from God and how we shouldn't steal our parents' faith and pass it off as our own. That's right, and one day we'll talk more in depth about that. What we're going to talk about this week is the importance of our speech. So how important is it what comes out of our mouth? Does it really matter what we say? You know, you hear people say things like, well, God is forgiving. What I do, what I say, it, it can all be forgiven. It can all be cast from the east to the west if mm -hmm. I repent of it, right? So does it matter? Does it have effect? Does it have hold water? Of course it does, right? So we're going to talk about that. And I don't think that a lot of people believe that that their speech is inconsequential, but we act that way. Mm -hmm. So I think that in our hearts, maybe we feel a little less responsible for what comes out of our mouths than we would say that we do, mm -hmm. right? So the importance of our speech. I would like to clarify something about speech. Okay. Our words aren't magic. No, they're not. Right. We're going to talk about you know, how we talk and stuff like that. Um, there's a bit of a psychological effect that our words have, right? Um, if we tell ourselves that we suck all the time, then we're going to start to believe it, right? Like we can convince ourselves of stuff by saying things all the time. However, our words don't change our reality. Our words don't create and manifest things. We can't just say positive things and good things happen because of that. Your words don't provide like good vibes there is a bit of a psychological effect it has on, you know, saying things, ha positive things can have on me and it can have on you, right? But it doesn't actually, it's not going to create anything, right? Like the Lord created the world by speaking. I can't do that. I don't share in any bit of that power. Yeah, there are limitations to your speech versus the speech of the Lord. And we'll right. talk about that too. I mean, outside of Christianity. There's a large number of people who believe that we can, you know, manifest or make things happen through our speech. And there's also a large swath of swatch of Christianity that that says the same thing. And they're also full of lies. We don't like speak it into existence. Yeah, we can't speak it into existence. Right. There's a verse in Romans that uh, making things that are out of things that are not. That passage is talking about God, not us very clearly. But people take it out and say, oh, look, we, we can make things out of things that aren't. They're not magic. Your words do have power. They just don't have Christ-like power. And I think that that's really, really important. You you don't possess the power of the Lord in your speech. And I also think that, believe that your words are kind of a mirror that reflects the current state of your heart. Yes. And so... Because out of the overflow of a man's heart, so his mouth speaks. Right. So 
essentially God's word is powerful, right? That's what you were just saying. His word is alive and it's active. And Hebrews 4.12 tells us that it is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates and divides the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So what does that mean? It essentially means that the word of God has ability outside of our own ability. Exactly what you were just saying. It is more powerful. It has a Christ-like power that we don't possess. And we don't need to act on this idea like you were saying, that our words have the power to manifest things into happening because ultimately the Lord is in control of all things. The word of the Lord, it also says in the second part that it judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. And so the word of the Lord, when you read it, if it convicts you, it is the spirit judging the attitude of your heart. If your heart is not in line with the word of the Lord, right? Not with your own word, because out of your mouth will come what's in your own heart. Mm -hmm. But out of the word of the Lord, out of the mouth of Jesus, you will see what is truth. Mm -hmm. And if your heart's not lining up with that, you got some heart work to do. Yeah. Every single week, we try to do the same process, right? And sometimes it gets a little fumbled, but we ask three questions. What's really happening? What does the Bible say? Mm -hmm. And... What do we do about it? So as believers, how do we handle it? So the first thing that we're going to break down, what's actually happening in the world right now in terms of our speech? Do people behave as though their speech matters? Yeah. I would just say no. We have freedom of speech in our country, and we really, really, really like our freedom of speech sometimes. Um, we don't like other people's freedom of speech. We'll throw fits if we feel like our freedom of speech isn't being protected or being given to us in the right way. However... We will attack people, whether it be on social media like we talked about last week or if given the opportunity, right? Behind each other's backs, we all have a problem, I think, uh, talking about people behind their back. Right, and I think that this whole idea of freedom of speech, we take it and we run with it. And one of the things that we've always talked about or that you've said that I've always liked is like we look at freedom of speech as a right, Okay, it's like something that we're entitled to. Mm -hmm. And under the Constitution, it is. Because it is. It is. But we run with that and we find that what we don't understand is that your rights end where somebody else's begin. So if, if I'm insulting you, mm -hmm. right, if I'm slandering you, if I'm insulting your character, if I'm uh, degrading who you are as a person, mm -hmm. then my rights have now infringed upon your rights. And one of the reasons that rights is such a fuzzy conversation, one of the reasons that people can't seem to agree, I think, on, on things about different rights and all that, is because you can't just have a free-for-all. Because if you have a free-for-all, you have chaos and you have anarchy. Yeah. And what ends up happening is that your rights overlap with someone else's, but they can't trump Trump. But they can't trump somebody else's, right? Trump Speaking again. Speaking of Trump and his speech. <laughs> Stop okay. it. But it's one of those things where it, the truth is, is that yeah. right, there has to be limitations. And honestly, in the United States, we live in a country where free speech is probably the most open that it is in the world. And so, I mean, I can't speak 100% on that because I don't know for sure. But I know that there are places where speech is much more restricted. Mm -hmm. Be blessed in the fact that you have the freedom to to say how you feel, that you don't have to agree with someone. Mm -hmm. Recognize that there, there, do, there has to be limitations. I mean, in everything, but in this especially, there has to be limitations. And there should be limitations, and mm -hmm. we're going to talk about those too. Okay, so what's really happening? So last week we talked about social media and how it gives us this like inconsequential place to boast our opinion. It'll make us shamelessly bold. Right. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you're not face to face with a person. Right. Um, so what are some examples of that? Right. There's like gossip. Mm -hmm. So what are our thoughts on gossip as the youth pastor and his wife? Are we for gossip? No. No, we're not for gossip, right? We talk about this all the time with the girls. I don't know if boys really engage in gossip. I mean, yes. I'm sure that they do, but not to the same extent. It, it looks different, but yes. I mean, everybody does. It's all over the New Testament about not gossiping. Right, because, I mean, 
like we always say, there's nothing new under the sun. So biblically, there have always been gossips, well, right? As people have spoken. Obviously, yeah. we don't love gossip. Obviously, we always tell our youth to stay away from gossip. But why do we do that? So the Bible says stay away from corrupt speech and avoid all devious talk. What does gossip do, honestly? Why stay away from it? Why do you think the Bible says that? My opinion is that it says stay away from all devious talk because it's devious, because it's literally speaking ill of someone. And nine out of ten times, it may or may not be full truth. And the person's not there to defend themselves with what is true. Mm -hmm. So that's the first part. And then my second thought is like, you're causing someone to think ill of someone else where they may have not even had the ability to make an initial opinion of them. Right. right? And, and it's prideful. So one of the things that has been asked is what's the difference between venting and gossip? Mm-hmm. Right. And so my answer I think has always been something along the lines of first off, what's your, what's your purpose behind what you're saying? Right, which is going to be for for a lot of these issues that we talk about, your heart behind it matters. Right, what's your purpose behind what you're saying? Are you intentionally trying to hurt that person? Do you have some sort of malice or you know, evil in your heart towards them, um, or are you just saying this happened and it frustrated me? Right, it, I think it's okay to say this happened and it frustrated me, um, but if that's kind of where you leave it, I think that's when you're entering the realm of gossip. And so we should surround ourselves with people who who are going to not let us gossip, which is hard because we all want to know what's going on. We like sensational news. We, we like to know, trying to avoid saying the word tea. But Be careful sensational we want, news. Yes, we, we, want, we, we want to know the, the bad stuff, right? Bad stuff sells. That's why the news is overwhelmingly negative because that's what people want to read. We want to know how this Republican lawmaker owned or destroyed the libs. We want to know, um, you know, heartwarming stuff doesn't really fire us up and get us going, but bad things do. We, We want to know that stuff. And so the same thing goes in how we talk. Like if somebody starts telling me a piece of gossip, it's very hard to be like, hey, that's not what we need to do, right? And I also find that if you vent about something a lot, that can also turn into gossip. If it's a everyone you talk to, you you find yourself bringing up the same thing over and over and over and over again. The first time might have been venting, but after that, you're not venting anymore. You're just, you want people to know this bad thing that has happened. I think a lot of it has to do, I think it's a couple of things. The first one I think is like validation where it's like sometimes we'll gossip because we need to feel validated. And I think that, I think that when you're like tween age, preteens, teens, and then even like into young adults, there's this like heavy need to feel validated and to feel understood and to feel, and there's still that when we're adults. Exactly. But I think that it's heavier in that time because you're becoming more aware naturally of what others see and think of you because they're saying it more. Sure. Right? Our our oldest child is eight years old. And I do think that there's some of that, but he's not so overwhelmingly aware of things about himself yet mm-hmm. that I think that he mm-hmm. will be when he hits those ages. And so and I think that people will be more vocal. I don't remember thinking about whether or not I was like pretty or uh, in good shape or, or, or thinking about what others thought about me until maybe I was like 12 or 13. And then I remember when that feeling hit and I became very, very aware. And it's because people started talking about it, right? And you hear people talk about it and you hear people talk about other people and you go, oh, I should probably be aware of myself because if people are talking about other people, they're probably talking about me. And we tend to personalize things. So that's the first thing. I think that we do it because we want to feel validated. Mm -hmm. I think it's very popular in younger people because we haven't really settled into, like I feel like all my friends who are like 35 and above I feel like they're just very comfortable in the person that they are. There might be some things about themselves that they're not comfortable with, but they're more willing to work to change those rather than just getting upset about them. Sure. I think the other thing, the other reason that people gossip, I think that we do it because we want to feel 
united in mm-hmm. some way, right? We talked about this last week where social media helps us to find people that are like-minded. Mm-hmm. And so and if you surround yourself with friends that are always agreeing with you, mm-hmm. right? Especially when you're lashing out or upset. If, if you have, if the friend that you call always agrees with you, whether you're upset or angry or whatever, and they never steer you back to reason and humility and Christ, honestly, then that is a gossip. That is a gossiping friend. That's not the kind of friend that you want in your close knit circle. And I would also say like what you said earlier, if what you're looking for is to vent, right? Find one or two people that you can vent to that, you know, are going to steer you back, right? Your friends are there, especially those who are like mentors in your life that are older. They're there to redirect you. If they don't redirect you and they just, consistently tell you you're right you should be upset you're right Mm -hmm. like i've seen videos and they're not just funny because they're funny but they're funny because they're true it's that friend and you call her and you're like this dress makes me look fat and she's like yeah you look so fat and she's like but it's the best thing i have in my closet you're right you look awesome like it's just her consistently and women do that and i'm I'm sure men do that in yes. some form or fashion, but just about different things. But girls will do that. Like we'll just be, we long for validation. And so we'll consistently just validate one another. And we don't mm-hmm. need to do that. Right. The Bible doesn't say validate one another in your feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. The Bible says to, to be iron that sharpens iron, right. To stay away from devious talk and to redirect one another. It says Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love, right? Speak the truth in love. Love one another by telling them what's true, mm-hmm. right? So <clears throat> that leads into the second thing, dishonesty, right? Dishonesty is huge. Mm-hmm. So if we lie, does it matter? Obviously, yes. But, I mean, what are your thoughts on lying? We need to be careful, number one, because one of the commandments is don't bear false witness, right? Don't lie. Lying is the thing that can grow, right? There's this VeggieTales... There was a VeggieTales movie um, when I was a kid that uh, kid lies, right? There's there's the P or whatever he is, and he's convincing... He's something like that. I don't know what he is. But he's convincing Junior to lie. And every time Junior lies, he gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then ends up, you know, destroying the whole town. And you have the story of Pinocchio, right? Where he lies and his nose gets longer and then, you know, bad things happen. So it not only damages your relationship with others and and not only does it grow and compound, it becomes harder to speak the truth of the gospel, right? Which is ultimately what we're supposed to do. Oh, it makes it more difficult to speak the truth of the gospel, right? Which is ultimately what we're supposed to be talking about. And so if we're not talking about, if we're lying, we can't switch in one conversation from lying to somebody and then speaking, you know, talking, sharing the gospel with them. That's not a thing that we can do. Because you're not reflecting it. Yeah. Cultures have always recognized that it's wrong to lie. The Romans, you know, if you lied under oath, they had a cliff that they would toss you off of. And in ancient Persia and Babylon and Assyria and all them, if you lied to a royal official, you could be killed, right? Like there was a death sentence for it. It's important to tell the truth. And it's important to tell the truth too, because, and this might be what you were alluding to, but if you are a consistent gossip or a liar and then you mm-hmm. go to sh- to like to witness to your friend i mean how much how much water does the gospel hold out of your mouth mm-hmm. do you know what i mean and <clears throat> and the severity of the gospel and the importance of the gospel and the need of the gospel your friend needs the gospel mm-hmm. right especially your friends that don't that don't know jesus they are in desperate need of it mm-hmm. and when you walk with without bearing fruit and and you're a consistent liar and then you speak and you say and you you display christ to them you explain christ to them you explain the glory of god to them Mm -hmm. but what if they don't believe you right and then what if you have now tainted their ability to grasp and believe truth Mm -hmm. and and that's not to say that like the power of god is not greater than your own obviously like 
like we said, Christ's word is greater than your own. It doesn't hold, your words don't hold this magical ability, mm-hmm. right? But the seeds that we plant should be on fertile ground and fertile ground can be destroyed when we come in with foolishness and we taint it, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what lying does, right? And then also we we almost assume that we're being lied to, right? right. I think that we've just grown up and I don't know if this is the same for like people that came before us, but we've just grown up in a world where we have to question so much. We question everything. We question, I mean, we question job posts and we question things that people put on social media and, and almost everything is a scheme. And there's like these wild organizations whose whole job is to deceive, right? Mm-hmm. We and, assume our government's lying to us. We, yeah. you know, about most things we assume. You know, anybody in power is lying in order to maintain power. We assume that, I mean, we assume our parents are lying to us about stuff. You know, we assume that, um, yeah, we just assume that we're the only honest ones, but everybody else is, is lying. Sometimes when it doesn't line up with our emotions, like our first episode when we talked about the transgender thing, when our emotions tell us one thing and the Bible says the other, we question the Bible sometimes mm-hmm. because our emotions were like, well, if we feel this, it must be true. Right. And we have to get past this whole idea that our emotions are what, what should dictate, right? Mm-hmm. We, we toss sin out the window and we go, okay, maybe I'm a sinful being, but I really feel this mm-hmm. in my heart. Um, and we surround ourselves by people who yeah. confirm, you know? Yeah. And, you know, we, we lie to ourselves more than anybody else will ever lie to us. Right. Again, we assume we're the most honest person in the room, but in reality, we're, we're lying to ourselves about a, a number of things at every, you know, at any given moment. All of this kind of goes back to a lot of what we talked about last week, um, where we've got to take our thoughts captive. Right. We're, we're going to be tempted to lie. We're going to be tempted to lie to somebody else, lie to ourselves, what, whatever it is. And so we've got to take those thoughts captive because part of that verse says, you know, to think on whatever is true. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the reasons that we do it is because we just want to be interesting. Yeah. Right. And we just want to have something interesting and we mm-hmm. just want to be interesting. Well, and we're surrounding ourselves when we look at social media with people who are leading these mm-hmm. quote unquote interesting lives because we're not witnessing the uninteresting parts. Mm-hmm. Right. And also our skew of what's interesting, I think is kind of messed up. Like I think mm-hmm. our like our dial of like interesting is always just like pushed so far. Well, again, we like the sensational, right? So I went fishing and I caught, you know, fish this big. Well, that's not super interesting. So instead I caught a great white shark. Right. Right. Like that would be interesting. The more sensational, the more outlandish, the more rare and unique, then the better the story. And we one up. And people have made livings off of that, right? People have made, I mean, you think about like Barnum and Bailey and you think about all of those things, Mm -hmm. like people have made whole careers out of just lying. Well, I mean, the vast majority of comedians. Yeah. Right? Like. Out of stretching the truth to the absolute end of it. Yeah. Our entertainment is generally focused around things that aren't true right and so we're trying to compete with our entertainment in our everyday lives and we don't have this and we're not scoping everything to say yeah but but there are parts of this person's life or there are parts of this that i'm not seeing right they still get up brush their teeth wipe their butt do all those things Mm -hmm. and i just don't see that and so because i don't see that they must not do it they must be extravagant in all things Mm -hmm. right and so anyway so what does the bible say right we've got a ton of verses and we're going to talk about each one a little bit just kind of tie it into how it goes with speech the first is james 3 3 through 7 well here why don't we why don't we read the verses okay go ahead and read it so it says if we put bits into the mouth of horse into the mouths of horses so that they obey us we guide their whole bodies as well look at the ships too or look, look at the ships also Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set against our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. And so that verse is going to go on, It goes, or that, that section goes on to talk about, we've tamed all the wild animals, 
right? We've, we've managed to tame, you know, all, all these animals, um, but we can't tame the tongue and, and the tongue, you know, our, our, our words, right? That's what he's talking about. But our tongue has the ability to utterly destroy the things and the people around us. So I, I would venture to say that more churches have been destroyed because of gossiping and people's words than any any major theological issue. Words divide people. Words, I mean, we can go look and we can look at like, I'll just use the example because I just finished a book about it, but Nazi Germany, right? Hitler was able to rise to power and he was able to convince an entire nation of people that what he was doing was mostly okay because he was able to control the words that were said, right? If he didn't want somebody talking, he, you know, the Nazi government could just put a ban on pub- on people, somebody speaking in public, right? They had control over the, the radio and what was actually said. You can control how people think. Manipulate. There we go. That's the word. Manipulate a little bit how people think just by, just, just by your words. And so as Christians, we've got to be careful what we say because it does and it can destroy the people around us. And those of us who teach, we need to be doubly careful because the uh, two verses or two verses before that, what I just read, uh, not many of you ought to become teachers, right? Those of us who teach have a higher expectation on us um, because we're responsible for teaching the people of God. And so if you're going to get up and if you're going to teach, or if you're going to lead in some way, like your words have even more of an effect. And recognize too, that if one of your gifts, if you are gifted with what I call sleight of tongue, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a convincing person, if you're a politician, if you are a lawyer, if you are, or if you just have a knack for that, right? Mm -hmm. If you're good with words, if you're a writer, be aware of those things, be aware of the fact that, and especially with the Bible, like sometimes I'll read a few devotionals and and listen to a few pastors or speakers or that have become writers and written things down. And sometimes they almost manipulate scripture because they feel like they can say it better. And in a way they start, they start saying it differently. Right. And we need to make sure that we're not trying to manipulate scripture because we feel as though we can say it well or say it, you know, the word is written as it is supposed to be mm-hmm. written. The word is, is God breathed is what, the scripture says it is is literally breathed out of the mouth of God. And so because of that, everything that we have from scripture is as it is supposed to be. And when we start trying to make it better, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. or more appealing, then we manipulate Mm -hmm. the minds of others who are trying to believe it. Mm -hmm. And I think in that same way, our words have great power and they control so much, and they have the ability to control so much. It talks about the bits in the mouth of a horse. If you are anyone who deals with horses at all, you know that they're massive and they're strong and they're powerful, right? I mean, there are whole there are whole sports around riding any an animal like that, where you mm-hmm. have to be wise and careful, and and there's a respect that comes with that. And something so small in their mouth can guide them, right? Mm-hmm. It allows us to have complete control. And that means that what we're putting into our heart, because that's what directly affects mm-hmm. what comes out of our mouth, that has the ability to control. If what you're taking into your heart and, and what's in your heart is steering your mouth poorly, mm-hmm. then you don't need to fix what you're saying. You need to fix what you're taking in. What you're taking in. Um, Proverbs, fix what you're right? <laughs> Proverbs. It, it, well, those things will flow out of one another, yeah. right? Um, Proverbs eighteen twenty one. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You can build people up mm-hmm. with words. You can crush people with words, mm-hmm. right? Your words are so powerful. Ephesians four twenty nine. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. It will benefit those who will listen. So we can destroy others with our words. That's why gossip and dishonesty is huge, right? But it can also be used to rebuild and rebuke and respond mm-hmm. with love and compassion. Um, you think about any time that Jesus spoke in the Bible, you know, 
it's always brought up. I feel like in every Sunday school class that I've ever helped with, mm-hmm. when we talk about Jesus and we talk about being like slow to anger, right? And the mm-hmm. things that you say, and they're always like, but what about when he was flipping tables? Right. Like, what about when he was making a whip in the marketplace? What about when he was calling people, um, what's the vipers? Uh, you are a den of vipers, right? Yeah, yeah. He talks about, and he says those things and everybody's like, Oh, he shouldn't have said those things. You have to understand what people were doing. And he was driving them out of that place because it's a place that's meant to be sacred and holy. Right. And he wasn't saying you can't sell your goods, but he would they were using the they were using the church not for the betterment of the word and the and the spreading of the gospel, right? But for acquiring wealth. They were using the temple courtyard to make money. They were selling animals for the sacrifice, for sacrifices. Mm-hmm inside the temple you know where they were doing it was according to the gentiles it's the only spot in the temple that people who weren't born jewish were able to go to and worship the lord and in the spot where they were supposed to be able to worship it was essentially a market so this is supposed to be a holy place Mm -hmm. and people are turning it into like a strip mall essentially and yeah uh yeah yeah and so Jesus doing that doesn't represent an anger that we share on most occasions, right? Like he was angry because the Lord wasn't being worshipped appropriately. This Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. We do need to remember that the Bible doesn't call us to be and I'm going to try to explain it the best I can. Nice people. right? We're, this verse doesn't tell us that not to let unwholesome you know, things come out of your mouth, but be really nice. right? But to tell people what they need. right? It, you can be harsh and still tell people what they need and be you know, using your words to give people life. Like... And I mean, it comes out differently from every person, right? If I say something, it's going to sound differently than if Ali says the exact same thing solely because of, you know, the, the depth of our voice and the way that we talk and our body language and all of that stuff. I have a right? good example if you need one. Yeah. So a good example of this is there is a woman in our church who has become a good friend of mine. And I go to her. I honestly, I go to her all the time, but there's recently there have been some things that have kind of gone on in my life. And instead of saying, well, I think you should do this, or I think you should do this, or this is my best advice, or this is my experience, or this is whatever, because there's a time and a place for that. Right. Mm -hmm. If I was like, Hey, I need potty training tips. Practical help is really, is really good. Hey, what's the best Mexican restaurant to eat Mm -hmm. at today? That's really good. But when I'm like, we're just lost on this, this thing that's going on in our lives. And we just don't know the next step. And we just, we're just not sure what to do. This friend is always faithful to say, you pray on it. And if that, if you feel like you're not hearing the Lord, you fast on it. And if you feel like you're not hearing the Lord, then you, you are saturating your life in the word of the Lord because he is faithful to speak. Right. And nine out of 10 times, you know, my response to her is like, what if I don't hear him? Mm -hmm. She's like, then you stay where you are and you keep doing what you're doing and you continue to listen. And Mm -hmm. he has taken you from a place that you weren't supposed to be. And he's put you in a new place. Right. And she not only is consistent to redirect me to Jesus, but she redirects me to remember what he has done. So this week in youth, we were reading James, right? The last verse of James is, okay, the last verse of James is, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save a soul from death and therefore cover a multitude of sins. So she is consistent to bring me back, to remind me of where God has been faithful, right? And so she is consistently doing that for me. And in doing that, she is building me up according to my need. My need in that moment, right? This goes back to that friend who's always just consistently uh, validating mm-hmm. you. My need 
when I recognize my need is Jesus, Mm -hmm. she redirects me to Jesus. She doesn't redirect me to feeling validated. She doesn't redirect me to feeling strong or wise or whatever. She redirects me to what the Lord has done and what he will continue to do because she believes it and she knows that I believe it. And she knows that sometimes you have to remind. Yeah. And so, and sometimes that doesn't look like that. That can look like what we're saying to people sounds and seems harsh. Like harsh truth is better than a kind lie. Yeah. And so, you know, somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I'm struggling with this. And what they're struggling with is a sin. I can either very honestly tell them that what they're doing isn't okay and is sinful, or I could just be like, you know what? Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. Like in one of those ways I have told the truth and I've used my speech to point him back to Christ. And either way I've, I've lied, but I spared his feelings. And it's really easy. It would be really easy for me to, because I feel like a year or so ago, I would have gotten that advice from her or that guidance from her and been frustrated. Like, I feel like I would have been like, can't you just tell me what to do? Like, just recall the time in your life and and tell me what you did. Because I am that person. I am an A plus B equals C person. I want practical help. But I am learning to recognize now being 30, right? That, and I don't think 30 years old is when you magically recognize this. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that there's just kind of been a realization, a big change in my life, in me, in my spirit that goes, the answer is always Christ, mm-hmm. right? And if I seek wisdom from my earthly pe- from earthly people, I will eventually be let down. But if I seek it from Christ who reigns above all things, then I will not be. And so friends who, who redirect you, who love you, right? Because that is a form of love, I truly believe, mm-hmm. who redirect you back to Christ. What more can you ask for, right? Mm-hmm. That's how you build one another up. Um, Proverbs 10, 19, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. So just continuing, continuing, continuing to just spit out nonsense, right? To spit out hurtful language, a harsh language, all of that, not in love, right? Mm -hmm. This is talking about when you're just someone who is mouthy, right? You're an ignorant person who, who just continues Mm -hmm. to talk and continues to talk, having the last word. Holding your tongue is wisdom sometimes. Mm -hmm. Recognizing that you don't have to die on every single hill that you stand on. And recognizing that the Lord will tell you when there's a time to speak and when there's a time not to. And then Matthew 15, 10 through 20, um, it talks about how our mouth is our heart on display, right? And so when we choose negative speech, when we choose foolishness, like gossip, lying, uh, swearing. What do you mean? So, like, do you mean cursing or do you mean, like, I swear to do this? I swear that I'm going to do this. I would say foul language. Okay. Foul language is what I'm talking about. I also don't know that you should swear really on anything. Right. <laughs> um, obviously, we don't like swear to God on things because um, that's the Lord's name in vain, but I'm talking about foul language. I'm talking about um, saying something foul about somebody using a term that would. Uh, that would speak ill of them or break down their character. Right. What does Matthew 15, 10 through 20 say? So Jesus said, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, right? So he's talking about like what you eat doesn't defile you, right? right. Um, but rather what comes out of your mouth that defiles you, right? So eat whatever you want, but watch what you're saying. Watch what's coming out of your mouth because that's the true test, right? Like the true test of what's in your heart is not whether or not you follow, they follow the Jewish dietary customs but rather what they said right because out of the overflow of our heart our mouth speaks and then at the end of it uh verse 18 jesus says but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles a person right so our heart shows whether or not we're clean and whether or not we love god or we don't um and then uh 19 for out of the heart come evil thoughts Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anybody. Right? So Jesus is saying, like, these customs of how they, you know, the Pharisees wanted them to wash their hands don't actually show whether or not you love God. But rather, um, what's in your heart, right? Or what comes out of your mouth. Because what comes out of your mouth shows what's in your heart. And what's in your heart is usually always darker than what's coming out of your mouth 
Right. And in verse verse 18 and 19, right, where it talks about, it talks about essentially, if you're wondering, if you're sitting back and going, should I follow my heart? Right? The answer is no, right? Because it tells us what comes out of the heart. It tells us that from the heart come things like evil, murder, adultery, um, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. And it talks about how it defiles a person. So all these people that are like, follow your heart. That's all foolishness, right? It's all false. Because if you do that, this is telling you what comes out of that. And if you claim that you believe the word of the Lord, you believe every bit of it, every word that it says. And if you believe every word that it says, and you believe that following your heart will lead you astray. Mm -hmm. And so we direct our hearts. What do we do about that? Right? How do we respond as believers? That's kind of the third part of our thing. So what do we do about that? If we see that from the heart come these things, Mm -hmm. right? If we see that born out of a sinner's heart are foolish things, Mm -hmm. then how do we respond as believers? Well, the the first thing is say things that are true. You can't, you're you're not going to gossip. You're not going to lie. You're not going to uh, do, say things that turn people away from Christ. If you're saying what's true. You're going to repeat scripture. If you're saying what's true, you're going to tell, you know, share the gospel. Um, if you're speaking what's true, you're going to, you're going to point out, and there's a, there's a good way to do it and a bad way to do it, but you're going to point out sin in people's lives. You're going to be honest about yourself with other people, right? You're, you're not going to lie and over-exaggerate about how good you are. And that's not your truth, right? Because there's no such thing as your truth and my truth. Right. You're going to say there's actually, the truth of the Lord. You're going to say what's actually true. Exactly. Right. And I think that we also have to be careful not to say what feels true. But when we're concerned on if something is true, then we go back to Scripture to find it. If we don't find it in Scripture, perhaps it is not. So if so, if dealing with all the transgender stuff, just the most recent thing, mm-hmm. if we say, well. It feels true because my heart feels it deeply. I feel like this is true. Mm-hmm. God is love, right? And and this is a lot of manipulation. There's a lot of manipulation in the media about this. But if you're like, I feel like God, if I know God is love because that's what I've heard, and if I feel I love this people group or this people group loves me, mm-hmm. then these must be the same. When if we go to scripture and we read it, mm-hmm. it tells us very clearly that it is not. So not what feels true, but what is true. And how do we know what is true? We look in the word of the Lord. And then what else do we do? We pray, mm-hmm. right? We There's going to be things that we hear, right? And it's so much more common now that there's social media that we have access to everybody, to everything going on in the world, and we find out about it so fast. You know, mm-hmm. you think about not even 100 years ago, if something happened in the world, it took forever to get that news to you, right? Mm-hmm. And so... We're so overloaded by information and and we get it so quickly that I think that we forget to pray because we just react. Mm -hmm. And because we're so used to immediate gratification, um, we're used to immediate reaction. We pray. We ask for clarity. We ask God to to guide our speech. Do we speak out on this? Um, To give us an opportunity to encourage others who are dealing with this, right? Mm -hmm. If our mouth is a direct reflection of our heart, if what we're saying is a direct reflection of our heart, then we ask Jesus to transform our hearts, right? Mm-hmm. We ask him to pre- transform our hearts to to help us to not just live according to our scripture, but to react and respond and, and for our emotions to line up with the word of the Lord, right? Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything flows from it. If you can't seem to control your speech, right? If you're a person who is quick to speak and you're just quick to mouth off, recognize that that, that that's a display of your heart, right? That tells you the health of your heart. You know, they always tell you in the medical field, my mom was a nurse and I remember her telling me that there were things that you would see on the outside before you ever knew that they were going on on the inside. You would start to feel aches and pains and it would all be a display from the outside, but you can't even imagine what's happening on the inside. And so... What comes out of your mouth is a direct display of what you're taking into your heart and how it's sitting with your soul, right? And your heart and the spirit are in combat, right? Because the spirit is consistently reminding you of what truth is because you know it, right? Because you've heard it and because the Lord is living within your heart. And then 
your heart that's taking in these things that are false and untrue. And there's a battle that's going on in there. The, the word talks about a spiritual battle, an internal battle that we go through in our spirit. And that's what that's talking about. Pray for what's troubling you, mm-hmm. right? Don't just pray for um, God. I pray that you help me not to be uh, harsh with my words. I pray that you help me not to lie, but recognize what is at the root of that. And that's your heart. Recognize what you're taking in. And your output is a direct response to that. Mm -hmm. And then focus in on that, Mm -hmm. right? Focus in on what you can control Mm -hmm. because when we have self-control, a lot of that is because we're guarding our heart with the word of the Lord. Yeah, it takes a it's personal it takes some personal responsibility, right. uh, and it also requires you to just be very very aware of what you're doing, what you're thinking, and what you're saying. And we as Christians don't get the luxury of like absent mindedness. Yeah, and I think I think the world that we're living in right now, and the world that we grew up in, was like very excuse heavy. We learn to be, well, I can't because you see that with a rise in like mental health stuff. Like there's like a, there's a medication, there's a name, there's a, there's a, yeah, there's, there's always, it goes back to that. There's always validation. We've grown up in a very validation heavy world Mm -hmm. and the Bible, I think the reason that it doesn't sit well with a lot of people is because it's a. It, it, it says no excuses. Yeah, you right. have to have self-control. You're held accountable for what we do. Right. You're held accountable. And you're held accountable for the things, especially when the word speaks directly against it. Mm-hmm. And you choose to follow your heart, quote unquote, rather than following the heart of Christ that literally dwells within you. Mm-hmm. Then that's sin. And I found that the more closely that I follow the Lord... Not the less excuses I'm tempted to make, but the less I do. Right. And I'm able to recognize them for what they are. Because living with the Spirit of the Lord in you does not mean that you stop sinning, mm-hmm. right? That's a decision. But the more closely that you walk with the Lord, the easier that that becomes. That's sanctification. That's that person noticing them becoming more like Christ in their speech because they're spending time in the Word. And they're also... I, I would guarantee this person is also having conversations centered around Christ and centered around the Bible. Right. So I think something else that you do mm-hmm. is you discipline yourself where it's needed, right? Yeah. You're sober minded. You're reminding yourself every day. So daily, if not more of the word of the Lord. And I think that that's kind of what we were just talking about. You can tell that your speech is seasoned with salt, seasoned with mm-hmm. what salt seasoned with the salt of the spirit. And that sounds very much like a, down south uh seasoning blend and i didn't mean for it to come out that way the salt of the spirit can you imagine you got the holy trinity no it's a biblical concept so that's what i meant that let your speech be seasoned with salt yeah trademark that okay so now that we've done it no one can take it away trademark the salt of the spirit (gasps) please let me make something called the salt of the spirit you can't see it but you know it's there um it's translucent it's basically just like those it's those packets no one says anything but it's those packets that like come in stuff that's that's clear what is it silica gel anyway no that's terrible where were we we? right so discipline yourself with that um comes recognizing your limits so because of the way that you grew up because of the people you grew up around because of the way you were raised Self-control is going to be more difficult for some people in certain areas. So whether you were raised with somebody who was very highly political and you're driven by that, whether you were raised in a family of people who um, were more emotional with certain things, you might be driven by that. If you were raised by people who gossip and don't tell the truth, then you may struggle with that. But self-control, you have to recognize your limits with what you take in, who you surround yourself with. And you can't be constantly amping yourself up with things that frustrate Mm -hmm. you and cause you to lash out. That's just common sense, right? So what you surround yourself with, if it causes you to lash out, if it causes you to be unreasonable, and if you're not able to control yourself, self-control might look like stepping away from that thing. Self-control does not always look like 
throwing yourself into every situation and just being able to restrain Mm -hmm. self-control sometimes looks like staying away from certain situations staying away from certain people groups if you're if you lose self-control in certain situations things like alcohol i'm not even going to say drugs because that's illegal i'm not going to advocate for that but Mm -hmm. things like alcohol if around certain people you tend to behave differently Mm -hmm. if around certain friend groups you can't control your mouth Right. If gossip is is something that is heavy within your friend groups and you can't stay away from it, you stay away from that group. And mm-hmm. you and if you're asked why, you explain why and you do it with all the grace and love in the world. But you're honest. Right. Mm-hmm. And so recognize your limits. That's the same thing. If you want to guard your tongue, you have to guard your heart. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that you always shy away from conflict? No, because conflict's going to happen, you know. The Bible literally promises conflict. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. And not all of it's, you know, around our faith. Like, conflict is going to happen at work. You're going to have disagreements. You're going to have clients or customers or whatever that that disagree with the policy or something like that. Like, you're going to have... There's conflict in the church. Yeah, you're going to have conflict. And um, so, obviously, you can't run away from every conflict. Um, But I think, you know, when we talk about it more, what we're talking about is, like, conflict because of our faith right telling people about you know jesus even when they don't want to hear it or you know you know people who are asking you about your belief on their particular sin um and it wouldn't make sense to shy away right like god you're being given an opportunity to share your belief to share your faith to you know give a defense for why you believe what you believe take it it's a good thing we're we're supposed to take those opportunities you still represent your faith even when you're not talking directly about it. Right. Even when you're in conflict with some with someone about something that doesn't deal with your faith, you have to recognize that you represent the kingdom of God. Not solely, obviously. You're allowed to mess up, but it there's grace there. Mm-hmm. But if it's deliberate, if, if it's within your control and you decide to lie or you decide to to manipulate or you decide to gossip or something along those lines, then you're not you're not adequately representing who Jesus is, mm-hmm. right? And you have that ability because his spirit lives within you and you have that guide and you choose to ignore it. Mm-hmm. We can't and shouldn't. We can't and shan't. Mm-hmm. We, we, we shouldn't die on every hill as believers. If we spoke out against every single thing in the world that we disagreed with, we would do not, we'd have time for nothing else, right? right? If, you, if you get on Facebook and you purposely go and look for the person that you know disagrees with you and you're commenting back and forth with them, are, are you getting, th- do you feel like you've, do you feel like you've proved your point? Is your, mm-hmm. what is your point, right? Mm-hmm. Is your point, analyze that. Like analyze, like, is my point that this person hears truth, right? And is this the best avenue for that? Are they listening? If we're demoralizing each other while we speak, are we really accomplishing the gospel? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And there's wisdom in not saying things sometimes. Yeah. And we have to know when that is. And and sometimes that's hard, right? Because sometimes that is your soapbox. Like sometimes there are things that you care deeply about. And I think you just have to ask yourself, like, am I accomplishing the gospel right now? Like, is someone going to know Jesus or know Mm -hmm. more about Jesus or know Jesus more deeply by what I'm about to say? And if somebody comes to you and says, what is your direct opinion? By all means, answer them and do it with grace and love. But Mm -hmm. by all means, answer them. All right. So some final thoughts. Number one, everything you say matters because what we say can and does have an effect on people. Right. Again, our words aren't magic. They don't make things happen. But... Words are still incredibly important, um, and we're supposed to advocate for things that are true. And so if we're not doing that, we're not using our words for the right thing, and it would just be better to be quiet, right? I say this to the kids all the time whenever they're dishonest or whenever they say something hurtful to one another. Everything that you say matters. Every single thing, every word that comes out of your mouth matters. And it's okay to be jokey and it's okay to be funny and it's okay to do that. But it's not, it stops being okay when it demoralizes someone else. Mm -hmm. It stops being okay when, when it tears somebody else down instead of building them up. It stops being okay. And that's not the same thing as conviction, Mm -hmm. obviously, what we talked about earlier. Um, And I would say that everything that you don't say matters, right? If you are... If you have a friend who is going through something and for the sake of not looking lame, mm-hmm. you know, you don't speak truth into their life, that matters, right. right? If someone very plainly or maybe not very plainly asks for the gospel, 
you know, and, and you have that answer for them and you don't share it for the sake of how you'll look or for the sake of how others will maybe perceive you or the fact that they may not accept it. Uh, that matters. Everything you say matters. Everything you don't say matters. And we don't need to walk around like only 50% of what comes out of our mouth is important because it's all important, mm -hmm. right? And our mouth is such a gift from the Lord when it's used in wisdom, but it can bring about foolishness so quickly. And I think the other thing is kind of what you put in the notes. You don't have to have the last word. There was this game that we used to play as kids where there would be like a broom handle and we would try to get to the top as quick as we could, but you couldn't move until after the other person moved. And so we would try to like time it so that, and no one wanted to go first because the way that it was working out was that the person who went first never got to the top. It's just this idea that we want to be on top and we, we feel like if we have the last word, we have the word right? If nobody else gets a word in, then we feel like at least we had that. And nine out of 10 times when we have the last word, it's not the best word, mm -hmm. right? It's not a good word. The last word honestly doesn't matter unless it's truth. That's kind of where I stand. Everything that comes out of your mouth is important. It matters, every single bit of it. And if you treat it like it doesn't, then you will start to say foolish things. Mm -hmm. That's not all I have. I'm tired. I got tired throughout this. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was just making my brain think. <laughs> Yeah. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you uh, that we have the ability to do this. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be aware and uh, mindful of what we say. Lord, I pray that you would help us to say things that are true. You would help us to point people to you. You would um, help us to uh, speak the gospel with boldness to each other and to people. Lord, um, I hope and pray that you would help us to tame our tongues, and to use them for building your kingdom, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Goodbye. Hey guys, this is Allie. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're so glad that you're joining us. I did want to remind you to like and subscribe if you're able. And also, if you want to hear more, make sure that you answer the questions that we ask at the end of each podcast. That helps us know what we can talk about next. Thanks for tuning in.